guys hear me okay? Uh, this, like Mike said, this is a, we're ending our, concluding our series on Connect. And uh, just to let you know, last week, the, the teens took over on the Sunday service, and they did an incredible job. And so this week, like Raymond was saying, uh, our singles ministry, uh, I don't know if they took over, but um, they, they represented the service this morning. And so uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Anthony Tejeda. My wife and I, we lead and serve the singles ministry and we love it. It's, a, it's an, an amazing opportunity for us to, to give and, and to serve them. And so, uh, like I said, today is Connect, or concluding our series on Connect. And if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, it's been amazing. Uh, we talked early on about connecting with God, connecting with the community, ta- connecting with the, our families, our spiritual families. And so today, we're going to kind of do a full circle and talk about God connecting with us. Amen. And so we're going to dive right into this. And so if you have your Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter 6, or you can follow along right behind me. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham have patiently waited, obtaining the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable characters of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So, so that by two unchangeable things, which is an impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. It says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever, forever after, after the order of Melchizedek. Now, if there's a portion of the scriptures you don't understand, <laughs> I'm going to do my best to, to unpack them, okay? And what it means for us in 2015. I mean, you think about it, 2015. I mean, the year is almost over. I mean, for some of it, maybe it's been quick, and some of it, maybe it's been long. And, uh, you know, I was talking to my, my, my dad you know, yesterday, and we're just talking about autumn. Like, autumn is literally, like, a couple weeks away. And I just want to encourage us, this is going to be the best autumn of our lives, right? And we're not going to call it fall, because who wants to fall, right? And so this could be the best autumn of our, our lives. And I, I know some of you guys think, oh, Anthony, you're just being positive. No, I'm not being positive. I'm just a believer. I don't want to be a doubter. I don't want to be an unbeliever or a non-believer. I just want to believe the best, right? The best is yet to come. I believe I'm sucking oxygen and, and I'm still here and, and there's better things for me, right? Let's, just, let's have that mentality. There's going to be tough times. There's going to be things that we're going through. We're going to get by it, but the, yet, the best is yet to come, right? Now, if you're dead, that, then you'll be done, but you're not. And so there's better things for our future. Amen? Amen. Today, you know, I want to speak on the subject on the, the, the problem with hope. The, the problem with hope. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, uh, I didn't know there's a problem. Interesting, I didn't know there's a problem. <laughs> the, the, the problem with hope. Come on, let, let's start off with a prayer. Amen? Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much just, just for this community. I just want to thank you that we're here right now. 
Help us to see you, God. Help us to see your majesty, your beauty, your sufficiency, God. I pray, God, that we, we can just be connected to you. I know, God, there's probably a lot of pain, struggles right now going on in people's lives, and I pray that you address those needs. You meet those needs, God. Help us to, just to clear our mind right now and see you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, yesterday, I don't know if you know, was uh, someone's birthday party. Yes. And, um, you know, Mike, he always comes up here and shows pictures of Hannah. This is not my daughter, by the way, the guy who was before me. This is his daughter, Hannah. And um, it was her birthday yesterday. And so, um, great birthday party. My wife, actually, and I, we, we, were, we were invited to two birthday parties. But uh, I was thinking, you know, about birthday parties. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting, right? When, when you're younger, you, it's something that you look forward to, right? And then when you get to kind of like mid-season, like kind of my season, you're like, ah, like I, I, like I don't really look forward, forward for my birthday, you know? Like birthday parties. I just don't. And then I'm sure as you get older, maybe around your 60s, you probably look forward to it again. You want your family there, your, your grandkids and your children there. And so, but my, my age, I'm like, uh, I don't really care for a birthday. I don't, I don't really like them, you know, to have a birthday party for myself. And so I started thinking, you know, I started thinking three things that I hate about traditional birthday party, okay? Now, if you're from another country, that you might not be familiar with this, but I was thinking about three things that I, that I dislike about American traditional birthday party. Okay, so this is my opinion, so please don't be critical, you know. But the first thing is, the first thing is cake. I don't like cake, you know. So right off the bat, I'm just not going good, okay. <laughs> so I don't like cake, and, um, I, I, and, you know, I'm on a diet too. I'm trying to eat healthy, and uh, cake doesn't help, right? And, and I know someone will say, well, why don't, why, why don't you try a vegan cake? Like, awesome, a vegan cake? Like, what planet are we from, Right? No, I don't want to try a vegan cake. Like, I can eat cardboard for free, you know? So just keep your quinoa to yourself. And so right off the bat, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't really like cake, but what's a birthday without a birthday cake, right? The, the second thing that, that I despise is opening presents publicly. Like, why are we doing this? Why have we, like, embraced this in, in our country, Right? Like, this is just awkward for, like, both parties. I mean, have we acknowledged this? Like, if, if I give you a gift, I don't want you to open in front of me because I don't know if I got you the right gift, right? I don't know what your favorite color is. I don't know if you're about this. I don't know if you're about that. I just, like, I don't know. And, and like, I'm, typically, I'm, like, the guy who's trying to, like, throw tidbits to kind of, like, explain why I got it, you know? Like, I was for sale. I uh, found it in my garage, you know? Like, I re-gifted it here. I'll just take it back, you know? Now, some of you guys are a rare breed, right? Some of you guys actually enjoy watching the gift that you got them when they open it, right? Be honest. I know what you're thinking. You're like thinking, am I amazing or what? <laughs> you know? You know, I, you know I, I, just, I just purchased their love. You know, they're going to love me more, you know? Now, equally awkward is, is opening a gift that someone purchased for you. I mean, for, for myself, I, I'm, like, horrible at this. Like I, like, I can't pretend. You know, I'm like the guy who, like, kind of gives a smake, fake smile. I'm like, ah, oh, awesome, you know? Thank you. I always wanted this, a, a turtleneck without sleeves, you know? <laughs> uh, 
I'll, I'll preach on it, you know? Everybody can see my armpit hairs, you know? This is horrible, you know? So I just, I, I, I panic. I just rather like open gifts just by myself in, in a room and like, this is horrible, you know? Like, I, I just rather do that, you know? And so, so I just don't like to open gifts publicly. That the third thing is, the third thing is, the least thing that I like about American traditional birthday parties is, is the ceremony of blowing out the candles. Why do we do this? I mean, listen for me for a second. Nowhere in any of our settings do we ever have someone like blow on our food, you know? I don't go like, hey, Ted, here, blow on my steak, you know, more. I don't do that, you know, more saliva, you know? Who needs salt? But at a tradition, at a birthday party, I've seen grown adults like eating cakes that like their four-year-old child blew on, you know? And that wasn't even like a, a, a blow, it was like a spray, it was right? I mean, like who wants a piece of cake, right? No, 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 like keep your germs to yourself, no, I, I, no, I don't want your dessert. Now I started thinking like, like why do we, even in this, like why do we make birthday wishes? I mean, we believe in Jesus, right? Like this is like the only time like Tinkerbell's like relevant, you know? You know, my mom, my mom was still, I'm 37 years old, my mom would still be like, hey, did you, did you make a wish, buddy? Did you blow out the candles? I'm like, mom, I believe in Jesus. Like, you know, I don't, I don't need to. Like, I, you know, I, I was doing this lesson, I was thinking, has there ever been a time that a, like a, a birthday wish ever came true? Like, I, I don't, I can't recall. Like, I've never met a guy who, who said, like, cited like the power of the birthday wish, you know? Like, the reason, that, you know, like, I'm 29 years old, and uh, I've had a birthday wish all my life, and it's come true, and my life is amazing. You know, I'm like, I, I've never met that person. But, but if we're not careful, we can take the all-important element of existence called hope, and we can turn it into a birthday wish. And this, this is my issue with hope right now. There, there's so much hope talked about in our society and in our culture, and particularly the Western world that we live in, and rightfully so. I, I am for hope. I, I, I am pro-hope. This, this church is a beacon of hope. We, we preach messages of hope. We, we, you know, this is a space of hope. We have parents of hope. We have friends of hope. So just everybody just put their hope around, right? I am for hope. But, but I'm taking a little bit of issue on the definition on hope and our culture. And this is what I mean. When, when, when someone tells me in terms that, hey, you need to hope, what does that do for me getting me out of a place of discouragement or, or overwhelmness, right? Has anybody ever told you, hey, keep hoping? Oh, hey, hope for the best. Hey, you, you know what? You, you just need to hope. Like, I mean, the issue with hope, and maybe it's the same thing with you, is when someone tells you, hey, you just need a hope, you just need to stay positive. What, what I don't tell them, but I wanna tell them is why? Hey, you just need a hope, where? Where do I hope? Well, well, you just need to stay positive. Well, how? I mean, since when has hope done anything for me? Right? Why does hope deserve my hope? Right? Hope, you know, hope, it, it, hope and hope is no hope at all. Hope has no mystical powers. I mean, I think staying positive is good, but positivity in itself is completely disconnected. It has no magic powers to aid you or to help you, right? 
And so, you know, but we live in a society that proposes, hey, that you just stay positive and hope for the best. And so the difference when I say, hey, this, this is going to be the best autumn of your life, this is not generic positivity. It's not generic hope. We're not positive for positive sake. We're not hoping for hope's sake. Hope is only as powerful as to which it is connected to. Hear me? Hope is only powerful as, as to which it is connected to. And so when we start throwing out the message of hope in terms of hope, our hope is uniquely and peculiar than any other hope on this planet. And so where we find ourselves, particularly in this scripture, in this portion of scriptures that we're looking at today, is we see Hebrew Christians who, 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 who accepted the message of Jesus, that, that they accepted that he is the Messiah, and, and they've lost parents, they lost siblings, they, 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 they've lost friends, and they lost coworkers. Some of them businesses. Some of them lost business because fellow Jews won't do business with them because, you know, they accepted Jesus. They accepted the Messiah, the Savior. They believe in Jesus. And so by the time that this letter is being written, you have a collection of Hebrew Christians who are questioning the validity, who are questioning it, whether it's worth following Jesus because they're exhausted they're, they're fatigued, they don't have a lot of money, and it's getting difficult, and it's getting challenging. And so naturally, the, 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 the writer, the author of Hebrew says, hey, you need to hope. You need, you, need, you need to keep the hope. I mean, this is it's very relevant for us today, right? With all the horrible tragedies and the tens- tensions that are happening in our world, in our culture, shootings, violence, right? There's, I mean, forest fires, I mean, all these things are taking place, injustice in Iraq, racial tension in our country. And, and so it's so relevant in our culture today of all the challenges and pains that's going on right now. And so all the more the message of hope is relevant, but, but this isn't generic hope. This isn't hope in hope, right? This isn't hope, hey, hey, you know, did you make a wish, buddy? Huh, did you? Hey, you just need a hope. Understand, I don't want to, 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 to anchor my life to a birthday wish. I don't want to anchor my soul to, 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 and emotions to, to wishful thinking and wishful talking. I will not sign up to the, to the positivity team just to be positive. There, there's no power in there. I, I want something that's going to give me the power to, 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 of spiritual, steady, solid existence and emotions, right? And so the writer of Hebrews, he, he says, hey, you have a steadfast anchor of the soul, a comma, a hope. We have hope. You have hope. Now, the verses before that we just read, it says, you got a hope. And so I would tell you today, if you're going through some difficult challenges, if you're going through some personal challenges in your life, if it's professionally or relationally or, or financially or, or maybe physically, I, I would tell you the same thing that, the, that they employed these Hebrew Christians. You need to hope. You, you need to hope. But your question should be why, where, and how? Why should I hope? In what direction should I hope? And, and how? And that's a great question. 
And that's where the, the, the writers of Hebrews answers these questions. And that's what we're going to look in today, okay? Now, the way the writers, you know, answers these questions are steep in Jewish imagery and metaphor. And that's why when many of us read this, you know, if you're like me, you kind of read this and you're like, huh? Like, I don't get it. I mean, look at this passage right here. It says, we have this sure, steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place beyond the curtain, where Jesus has got as a forerunner on our behalf, having become the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Awesome. It's like, what? <laughs> like, and then Hebrews 7 talks about Mel, like Mel. Like, Mel who? Melchizedek? Like, like, I don't get it. Like, let's go back to John, you know, where like, Jesus is fishing and, and like teaching people. I understand that. And that makes sense because a lot of us haven't grown up in tradu- Jewish tradition and culture. But, but I want you to understand what we're going to look at today is, is completely rich. It's, it's thick. It, it's so brilliant. And, and what word can I use is it's majestic, what we're going to look at. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dis- dissect Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, okay? We're going to just dig right into it, okay? So we're going to do some background we're gonna, I'm going to do my best to explain this, amen? And so I always say this, but relevance is like 15 minutes, okay? So just bear with me, okay? You guys with me? Okay, amen. I like that response. And so the, 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 Hebrew, the, the, the writer is writing to these Hebrew Christians who are waffling in their faith. And he says, hey, you need a hope. And so he's saying that your hope is anchored to the soul that it's tethered to. And it's tethered to to Jesus. He says, your hope is Jesus. He says, listen, look what Jesus has done for you. This is not hope and hope. This is hope in Jesus. And so before we go into some background and kind of explain this whole passage here, I want us to first just explain this first and foremost, is that hope, in the biblical narrative, hope is never alone. Hope isolated by itself, it's it's a dead fish on the shore. It has no power. Hope is always connected to faith, to, to, to love, to Jesus, to death, burial, and resurrection. Hope is never isolated by itself. and It's the same as here, okay? And so now these Hebrew Christians, they, 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 they kind of accept the following this mystery man named Jesus. And so why, why did Jesus come? Why, why, why did God come in the form of a man? Well, the answer is because there was a dilemma, right? It's called sin. And so there's this massive, kind of give you a big picture, there's this massive canyon between us and God, and it's called sin. And you ask, okay, Anthony, like, why, is there, why does this canyon exist? Well, the reason this exists is for your benefit, because God is so brilliant, he's so majestic, he, he's so pure, he's so perfect and flawless that if we come in contact to any slightness of, of God, we would melt. Hashtag Indiana Jones. It's pretty, pretty good theology, right? If you remember Indiana Jones, when they opened the Ark of the Covenant, their, their faces melt, right? Okay, some of you guys look confused, okay? The, the, the God who created sun... S-U-N. Think of the intensity of the sun. Think of the majesty of the sun. If our earth was slightly closer to the sun, we would what? We would melt. Okay, so God, God came in, in, this, 
in this physical, visible form of Jesus, and, and he just said a word, and a fire, a, a sun existed. Think of the intensity of God, right? And so when anything that is unclean comes in contact that is pure and faultless and brilliant and, and perfect, we, we would melt. See, God doesn't want us to melt. And, and so he created this distance, this, this temporary system between, the, you know, the Jewish people. And, and, and that's so that their face wouldn't melt off. Okay, so we're going to do some background. You guys still with me? Okay, good. Okay. So he set up this, 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 this he kind of gave these instructions to, to this particular tribe. There's 12 tribes of Israel. And one tribe was dedicated to the high priest. And so they had these, these, this, this temple, this tabernacle. And in these, this temple and this tabernacle, they had stages and rooms. And so in this room was the, the, the most intimate place where God resided. That's where God's presence was. And so again, we're talking about temporary system. And so being what's spoken in, in, the, in, in this particular passage, it's important we understand, just to get a glimpse to understanding what this passage is talking about. And he says there's, there's this inner core and there's this out, outer core. And it's the most holy of holy places. And so in this place, this, in this curtain, in this inner core, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where, where God's presence was. And so once a year, the high priest would go into this inner curtain, this, this inner place, and they would take the, the blood of an animal, a pure and faultless animal, and they would pour it on the Ark of the Covenant. And that was saying, that this, again, this temporary picture that this, this blood would, would literally comp- cover the compromise of our lives. Remember, this is symbolic, this is metaphor, and, it, and it's, it's all directing us towards the all-sufficient sacrifice of Jesus. And so what would happen is a, a, a high priest would tie a rope around his ankle with bells on it. And, and if the bells went off, that meant the, the high priest felt dead, and they would drag him out. And that meant that, that the, the, the blood wasn't sufficient, that their, their sins weren't covered. If the, the high priest came out and he was alive, that, that meant that, the, that there was an eruption among the Jewish people because God's, that their sins were forgiven for that year and God was looking upon them and smiling upon them, right? And so there's some who basically live according to this temporary system. But when Jesus came, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, we're, we're all familiar with this, right? Maybe some of us aren't. But there was a temple back in those days. And so when Jesus died, did you know when Jesus died, that curtain ripped from top to bottom. Now, some people still sew it up, but Jesus tore it down. And so what he's saying is that, that I am the fulfillment of this temporary system. My blood now covers all multitudes of, 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 of sinners. And because now you're a true follower of me, you, you can be forgiven forever. And so it says here in the scripture, it says, you need to hope. This is your hope that Jesus has entered into the inner place. The language of the author, what he's saying is that Jesus has entered into the inner place and, and, and now he has satisfied the temporary system and now that God's presence could be available for all. Amen. I mean, he's saying that your hope is anchored to the reality 
that God is with you and he's among you and he's for you. That's your hope. Isn't that amazing? Secondly, it's saying that, it's saying that you have a forerunner. Again, this is all steeped in imagery, uh, innately Jewish and, and Hebrew. And he says, you have a forerunner, a priest that has gone before you. See, the, 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 the high priest, the job description of a high priest what was that he, he would do for the people which they can't do for themselves. And that's what Jesus did, right? Jesus is our forerunner. He ran the race that we could not run. He ran at a, the, the speed that we could not run. And, and so, you know, because he was running, at, he picked us up, put it on his back, and hashtag, we made it. He made it, but we made it. That the picture is, is this world track athlete pulling us through the finish line. It says we, we have a forerunner. It's Jesus, which speaks of what? It speaks that the fact that it's no longer, it, it, our, our hope isn't anchored on our performance. Please hear me. Christians are famous for this and have been famous for this for thousands of years. We anchor our hope on, on literally on, on goodness and for blessings of God and our performance. If, if I can pray more, if I can go to church more, and I can give more and cuss a little less, God will bless me. And once again, your, 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 your performance, you're fickled as, as much as your performance. So when you lose hope, or when you fail, you lose hope. This, this is classic Christians, right? If, if I fail, uh, I will lose hope. No, 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 no. It says we have a forerunner on our behalf. And, and it's his performance that helps us exceed the goodness in our lives. Because when you do bad, you get good, and that's the gospel. There's no other belief system in the world that teaches this, not even karma. Only Jesus teaches this. You guys with me? You know? Nobody teaches this, that you can do bad and get good because of Jesus. Now, some people will say, Anthony, if you tell people that, that with Jesus, they can get good while they're still doing bad, they're going to keep doing bad. I, I, I honestly, I have witnessed the, quite the opposite. I, I, in fact, I've seen people who, who, who felt like they've dug themselves so deep in a pit that it's pointless to get out of it. It's, it's useless to get out of and, and they feel like it's, it's going to take so much an effort and so much work to get to a proper place with God. What's the use? What's, it doesn't matter. And that's completely the opposite of the gospel. It says if, when, you, when you become a, a follower of Jesus, you, you are made truly right before God. You are righteous before our God, our Father. And he says you have a forerunner. The writer of Hebrews says that, that, that God's presence is with you. Amen. It's not just that one place. He says that you have the Ark of the Covenant in you. Your soul is the inner place. And so it's tethered to his performance, which is perfect and flawless. It goes on, it says, we have a high priest, listen to this language, forever, an order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek, to the, to the Hebrew man, mind, Melchizedek was this, was this mystery man who appeared to Abraham for a short while and then reappeared in the book of Psalms. And so 
many rabbis believe that Melchizedek was a theophany. It was God entering to the narrative of the story with his people. And his first man, Abraham, he was, he was with. And, in, and later on in Hebrews 7, it says that, about, it talks about Jesus and Melchizedek. And, that, and it says that Jesus is greater than Melchizedek, which is saying that Jesus is greater than anybody and everybody. Jesus is in charge. And the word here, forever, which speaks of permanence, permanence, permanence. Man, if, 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 a, if a Christian just would believe in the permanence of what Jesus has done. I mean, I wish I, could, I, wish I had another 35 minutes to even talk about the permanence of, of what Jesus has done in our lives. I mean, the, that he is permanently is with us he, he, he's among us. He's forgiven us. He's forgotten our sins to permanence. I mean, it, try to swallow this. The sins that you haven't even committed, you're already forgiven. If you're a true follower of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Preaching? Now, I promise, my heart is full this morning. And so... I'm going to land the plane right here, okay? And so, you know, put your seats in the right up, right positions, pull the tray tables up, and flight attendants, take your seats, okay? We're going to land this plane, okay? In this picture, there, there's three things that you're, 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 your soul is anchored to. It's all Jesus and what he's done. I, I love this imagery, the anchor of the soul. The, the metaphor in Hebrews is What? The boat, the boat is like our soul, and, and the, the sea is like the unpredictable life that we have on this planet. And the anchor is what Jesus has done for us. It's a great picture. In this, in this metaphor, hear my logic for a moment, okay? In this metaphor, who's holding who? The anchor or the boats? The boat or the anchor? Who's holding who? Now, some of you guys might say, well, Anthony, both. Okay, who's holding who more? Who is the anchor holding the boat more or the boat holding the anchor more? And here's where I'm going, okay? When, when it comes to the message of hope, Christians are famous for this. Just hold on to hope. Just hold on. A preacher once said this. He says, we have turned salvation into an anchor, an anchor to heaven, where a rope is dangling down to us, earthling to hold on to as tight as we can. Did everybody hold on? Hold on so tight. I'm getting tired. Forgot to hold on today. Got distracted. We'll just come back to church, you know. That's why all these bad things are happening in our life. Because you just need to get a better grip, right? You just need to hold on. I mean, this is what we think, right? Am I the only one? So this is what we're going to do. We're just going to dismiss everybody, and we're just going to say, hold on to your dear life. I mean, is that it? I mean, is this what we preach? I mean, who's holding who? The anchor holds the boat on the surface of life, right? You know, I know there's a lot of people who say, you know, I got God. Yeah, but like God's got you. Here's the thing with Jesus. You don't anchor yourself to Jesus. Jesus anchors himself to you. 
You know, that, here's why, you know, because I know some of you are just bad at sinning. You know why? Because he's got a hold of you. It's the truth. I know some of you don't even want to be here. You're like, man, I try not to come to church. I don't even know why I come. I'm here. He's got a hold of you. Right? Some of you are, you know, are even bad at sinning. You know, you're on, you, you, you're on your way to do something stupid with her. And she cancels. And he cancels. You're on your way. And your car runs out of gas. Man, it's God. It's totally God. I know some of you guys are like, man, just God, just leave me alone, you know? I'm tired, just leave me alone. God's like, you think I'm going to let go of you? Some, some of you guys are trying to shake God. Good luck. Good luck. You know? So what's our hope? Here's my hope. That he's holding on so tightly when, when I... When I don't want to hold on, when I'm tired of holding on, when, when I forget to hold on, he's like, it's all right. I'm the anchor, you're the boat. I got you. I, I got you, it's all right. I can do that. I can do that, right? Amen. Hebrews 6, 9. I'm going to close it with here, I promise, okay? The verse before this talks about People falling away from the faith. And it says, it says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved. I, I love this word, beloved. Such a perfect image. You know, God says, you're my children. You're, you're my beloved. He says, we feel sure of these things, things that belong to salvation. I mean, another translation says, things that accompany Salvation. Let me tell you what your salvation package is. Your salvation isn't a rope dangling down from heaven so you can just grip onto. Salvation is God's grip on you. And I'm sure, beloved, brothers and sisters, you're not gonna fall away because God's got you. This is our hope. You hear me, church? Right? This is our hope. You know? My hope is not in my performance. It's not in my strength. It's not in my lifestyle or choices. My hope is in his performance and his presence, his permanence, his grip in my life. God is so big. He is so good. He is so gracious. God has put his hand on my life and he will not let go. I'm telling you guys, some of you guys, it's not easy to shake God. He won't let you go that easily. He has died for you. He's risen for you. He's bled for you. He's forgotten your sins. He's forgiven your sins. It's not easy to shake God. He will not let you sink. He will not let you go from this life to the next, friends. I'm telling you, hope on that. Hope on that. Live the rest of your life on that, brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. This is real, right, friends? This is real. This is life. This is unpredictable days, challenging days that we're facing, right? But this is our hope. This is our hope. Whatever you're going through today, God's got a hold on you. I promise he won't let you go. If he hasn't let go of me, he most definitely won't let go of you. (laughs) Amen? And so... We're going to pray right now, but I just want to leave you with this. You know, there, there, there's so much hope in this world. 
But let us hope, let our hope be tethered on Jesus and, and come to the conclusion that our God is holding on to us. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for having a hold of our lives. Help us to see that, especially when times we don't want to hold on, especially times where it's just exhausting. It gets tiring, God. Thank you so much that we're here today for you. Please help us to see your presence. Help us to be close to you, God. Thank you so much for everything you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.